You're listening to the Hard Hedge, UVA's only independent basketball podcast hosted by two guys, one of whom happens to be a fake coach. Fake coach. Get up out your seat, you can have my drink, let me see you dance. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Pittman and Phony Bennett. When the sun falls, the sun falls, then the moon lights, Wahoo Wild there, Virginia fans. Welcome to another off-season edition of the Hard Hedge. I am the aforementioned Mike Pittman. So good to have you guys with us this evening or this morning, whenever you're listening. With me, as always, the man, the myth, the legend. He is at If Tony Tweeted, Phony Bennett. What's up, buddy? How you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I, I've uh, I've been recovering, um, you know, from from some some bad news. Some well. We don't even want to say it's bad news. It's uh, unfortunate, but uh, life, life's going to go on, and I'm excited about the future. So I'm, I'm happy to be here. And, uh, man, we've got a great guest tonight. You want to talk about legends. Uh, this guy, and I don't, I don't have the number of years in front of me. Uh, Jerry has been covering uh, UVA sports for, uh, we can say decades, right, Jerry? 33 years. 33 years uh, I've been on the UVA beat, and so we're honored to have uh, Mr. Jerry Ratcliffe with us tonight. Welcome, Jerry. Thank you guys for having me. It's uh, I'm really excited to be on your show. I, I follow your tweets, and uh, I'm a big fan. Thank you. That's uh, that's good to hear. I, uh, we were talking before we started this how uh, Mike and I both have your UVA football vault, and uh, you mentioned that you might want to do a uh, a basketball one one day. Yeah, I've uh, actually uh, talked to the same publisher about doing that, and uh, we're, we're hashing things about to see see what we can come up with. I think it would be a fun project. That would be, and I know a lot of basketball fans that would rush out and buy it. So uh, um, that's great. So how you doing tonight, Mike? Oh, doing fantastic, man. Just trying to, uh, you know, always desperate to, to, to see the next piece of information that leaks out there. I want to know, you know, is Tony done with the staff? Is he going to fill that last basketball operations spot? Are we going to get somebody here as a 2015 recruit? Are we going to hold the scholarship to 2016? You know, offseason – for me, it's just always so interested, and I, I'm just waiting to hear any little nugget of information that I can uh, pass along and, and uh, you know, help feed the other diehards out there. And uh, obviously, the biggest story that has broken since since we've last had this podcast, and there have been a number of things uh, that we'll dive into tonight. But obviously, uh, our most dynamic player, uh, Justin Anderson, is uh, headed to the NBA draft, and. Uh, Hootie wrote a, a really, a really good and a very opinionated piece on how he feels um, this kind of affects Virginia going into next season. And uh, Hootie, why don't you kind of go over that um, for those? First of all, if you haven't read the piece, shame on you. But uh, if you missed it, um, why don't you give us a little uh, high-level overview of, of of how you feel this Justin Anderson decision affects the season next year and. Um, you know, just overall, what you what you feel about the um, prospects for Virginia without Justin Anderson? Uh, sure, Michael. I, I think uh, I guess the, the gist of my piece was, um, I guess, sort of twofold. One that Justin is the most unique, uh, one of a kind players I think Virginia's had in, in my three decades plus of covering Virginia, other than Ralph Sampson. Obviously, he's in a, a league of his own, but uh, I don't think they've ever had uh, such a freakish athlete um, who could not only just shoot daggers with a three-pointer, particularly when you need them, uh, combined with his uh, incredible leaping ability and his ability to run people down from behind and block shots out of nowhere, uh, plus his his passion and, and showmanship, I, I thought it was a rather unique package that uh, that made him unique. And I, I questioned um, if Virginia, even though they should be very good next year, I questioned if they can beat the really elite teams without a guy like Justin because they struggled to do so without him at the end, tail end of this past season and in the postseason. And uh, I, I just wonder if, if that is the X factor that they can't uh, currently substitute with anybody on the roster uh, or even anybody coming in. I, I just don't know that they're going to have that guy who can win 
can be the difference in, in a, a big, a really big, important basketball game. And I, I asked that question. Uh, I talked to Jason Wilford about that a lot, and and he, had, you know, he, of course, being a coach, he has to think positive. And he said, "There's no reason some of these other guys can't step their games up. That they absolutely have to step their games up to fill that void." Uh, and pointed out that you know they they did come close to beating Louisville and NC State. I mean, excuse me, uh, Michigan State. Uh, with Justin uh, either out or less than 100%. But um, I think uh, I think even with that, I, I still question it if they're going to be able to beat the really elite teams in the ACC and uh, if they run into somebody like a Michigan State uh, in postseason, if they're, if they're going to be able to get by that game without a guy with his talent. Yeah, that... That X factor is the thing that, that I think Virginia is going to miss the most uh, next year. I, I don't think his points, you know, or rebounds per game or or anything like that is, is, is going to be impossible to, you know, compensate. But uh, just his sheer energy, the emotion that he plays with. Look, we, we have a group of guys that uh, really it's a positive that they're extremely even keeled. They don't show a whole lot of emotion and they don't, you know, they're very unflappable, but at the same time, you know, uh, sometimes you just have to have that energy. It's, it, uh, it, it provides a spark, especially in a home environment. Um, you know, Justin's ability to kind of absolutely turn momentum on its head, you know, with some of his breathtaking plays is something that I don't think Virginia's ever had, um, in the sheer volume that, that he kind of, um, you know, whether it's chase down blocks or, or alley-oop dunks or, you know, whatever it is, athletic plays that really turn the momentum in basketball games. It's those X-factor type things that, you know, I think this squad is going to miss the most with Justin's departure. Um, and you just have to hope that, like Jason Williford said, that other guys can kind of step up and get sharper and better at other aspects of the game to kind of make up that difference. Phony, you know, you you obviously um, were – following it very closely and and we're very worried about what Justin Mayer may not do. Uh what's your take on this subject and how do you feel uh his his decision is going to impact the team? I, I mean you know I'm I'm kind of with you guys. I, you know Justin has been a special player for me um since he got here. Uh he he was one of the first players to follow Phony Bennett and you know we we had a lot of fun uh early on. He he kind of embraced it and and I think that just, you know, strengthened the uh um you know kind of the bond I, I felt just watching him on the court and so you know more than anything i'm gonna miss not seeing him or miss seeing him in a uva uniform um his points production i think other guys are going to step up other guys are going to develop i mean that's one thing that we've seen with tony's teams is year after year guys develop I mean, and that that's one of the real strengths of this whole coaching staff uh his energy i think there might be guys who you know are kind of waiting to step forward to to fill that role and and i don't i i couldn't tell you who that's going to be but i think sometimes when you have a dynamic personality like that you know the some of the other younger guys may be willing to take a step back but now it's going to be somebody else's turn to be that leader and so uh you know i'm interested in, in seeing who that's going to be and and otherwise somebody and well probably more than one person is just going to have to step up their game and and um you know really show that hey i'm, I'm the one that's going to be in the starting lineup you know we saw evan nolte i mean he really turned up his game you know when when he was in that starting lineup and and uh, showed a lot of improvement in areas and you know you got uh Shyok who uh uh, last year before the season, I, I was told that he might push Justin for minutes, and that didn't end up happening. But it, I, I think it, it says something about what people were seeing out of uh, him in practice. And, and with another year of development, um, you know, he's another guy that I think uh, has the capability to really wow people. So I'm excited about this season. I, I hate that Justin's gone, um, but I'm, I'm looking forward to cheering him on in the NBA. Yeah, I can tell you one guy that, that jumps out to me is, is at least uh... – a guy that can be an energy spark, I think, is Isaiah Wilkins. Plays a different position somewhat, but uh, a guy that, you know, may not be as demonstrative as Justin Anderson, but brings all kinds of energy and uh, a lot of intensity and, and uh, just really a, a guy that I think could be a spark plug and maybe help fill some of that gap. Uh, Three-point shooting, obviously, is a concern. Justin was absolutely absurdly good at that last season, and 
the rest of the roster is all the you know it's the same roster coming back and it, it doesn't seem on paper to be a great shooting team but I'd like to think that with some of the wrinkles that that I've heard that that the coaching staff is going to try to bring in offensively that uh, it'll open up more opportunity, more legitimate off-screen opportunities or kick-out opportunities for Perantis and Brogdon, who are capable three-point shooters, and I think they need to really work on that part of their game uh, even more in the off-season. And you know, the bottom line is, you guys know I'm an. I, if you follow me on Twitter, I'm an extremely optimistic guy, and um, you know, in, in Tony, I trust, and I just hope that uh, the guys kind of rally together and figure out how to replace a guy that's essentially irreplaceable. Uh, but it will, it will be a slightly different coaching staff that will be tasked with that project uh, as assistant head coach Richie McKay uh, left to take the job at Liberty again. Uh, I want to get you guys' opinions on, on that. And obviously Brad Soderberg, er, who has come in to replace Richie McKay and Brad is is was not given the associate or the assistant head or the associate head coach title, uh, so I guess he's more of a, a, a standard assistant at least according to to title. But um, Hootie, what were your thoughts when you heard about the Richie McKay situation, and what have you learned about Brad Soderberg um, since you heard about that uh, opportunity? Uh, I, I really I was. I was kind of surprised. I wasn't surprised that Richie left, but I was kind of surprised that he went back to Liberty. Although I understand, talking to their AD down there, that it's a much better job now than it was when he left it. And I think in order to get him to come here the first time, I think they they had to use that associate head coaching lure to attract him. And I think uh, I think it's a good move for him. He, I think uh, Richie is a really good bench coach and a good recruiter, and you can just see him uh, during timeouts and and even during games. Uh, he had so much passion for the game. He, he kind of wondered why isn't this guy coaching somewhere, head coaching somewhere? Because right. I, I think he's uh, I think he's pretty solid. Uh, I, I think he's uh, as you uh, appropriately mentioned. Uh, you know, Tony. And uh, his staff have done a great job in developing talent, and I think that's a huge part of the program. And I, and I think Richie was a big part of that, and I think he was also a very good recruiter. So uh, I think they're going to going to miss him. I, I thought he was uh, just you know instrumental in, in in helping this program advance over the past few years. And I think Tony would would probably be the first to tell you that. Um, and I think he'll do. I think he'll do well at Liberty. But um, Brad, I don't know a lot about other other than the fact that you know he was the interim coach between uh, Tony's dad and uh, Bo Ryan, and, and Tony worked alongside of him. Um, I've, I've heard good things about him that he's a, a very solid coach. Uh, uh, obviously, he's a disciple of Bennett Ball and uh, the pack line defense. Uh, I don't know much about him as a recruiter. Um, I think he's a, a good X's and O's guy from what I've heard and a good teacher. Uh, so I'm hoping to learn more about him once he uh, uh, is made available to the media. I, I don't think any of the Virginia media has had an opportunity to speak with him yet. So uh, I think we're all a little curious about um, uh, some more of the details about him, but um I, th- I think it was a solid hire, and, and I wasn't a bit surprised that Tony went to somebody that he knew. I think he likes to keep things um, kind of close to the vest and maybe not totally in the family, but in the Bennett network uh, because he knows what he's getting. He knows he's uh, a coach that won't accept shortcuts uh, and a guy who believes in strong fundamentals and obviously defense. So. Uh, I think he was a, a perfect fit for the program. Yeah, let's let's touch on that real quick because our our buddy uh, he's not able to join us tonight, but our frequent contributor here on the Hard Hedge, uh, Daniel O'Neill uh, at Embrace the Pace, uh, he was pretty opinionated in the fact that he thought that Tony probably should have brought in somebody outside the family. That um, you know, at this stage, not that there's anything that's extremely broke that needs fixing, but. Uh, I, I think Daniel was really hoping that somebody from a different coaching tree that could bring a different perspective, maybe especially offensively, um, uh, you know, maybe a younger guy with with closer recruiting ties to this area, um, 
would have been a, a better decision at this point. It, you know, he wasn't obviously against Brad Soderberg, um, you know, but he was kind of intrigued by a few of the other names that, that a few of us had heard floating around and, and phony, um, you know, in Daniel's absence, why don't you touch on that? Um, you know, do you feel like this was the smart decision to stay, you know, quote unquote in the family or would you have looked elsewhere or what's your opinion on that? You know, I, I thought from the beginning that, that this was a hire that made a whole lot of sense at this point in time. Now, you know, maybe if we're, we're a year from now when we're really talking about replacing the, this uh, nucleus of players, maybe that's a good time. You know, because if you bring in t- someone not familiar with the program, someone that's, uh, you know, really got their own thing going, then in a lot of ways you're starting over. And we're, where we are this summer, it, we're not at a starting over point. We've got to replace one of our best players, two of our best players. But uh, we, we've got such returning talent, and they're, they're, they're familiar with what we're doing. So I, I think now would be a really bad time to kind of, you know, upset that apple cart and, and say, okay, now we're, we're going to start changing things. So um, granted, that may be a little short-sighted just talking about next year, but, uh, you know, I, I think we, we've got a good system in place. We, we need some tweaks, and you've heard uh, Dick Bennett say that, you know, he expects Tony will, um, you know, speed up the offense a little bit, you know, because he's got the, the players to do that. Uh, Soderberg has a very good offensive reputation, and uh, so, I mean, I, I, I'm very happy with the hire, but I completely get – what Dan's saying. I mean, we were hearing some names about maybe some assistants at uh, uh, VCU and, and stuff like that. Guys bringing a very different kind of perspective. And, um, you know, as interesting as that would have been, like, you know, are you really going to take these guys who've had so much success, who've won 60 games over the past two seasons, and say, you know what, we're going to start changing things up big time now and doing it differently. And so, uh, you know, I, I think it's I think it's a good thing, but only time will tell. Yeah, I think Brad gives a. I saw Dick Bennett said this in, a, in another uh, piece that that Tony really understands the value in having a second head coach uh, on the bench, and he had that in Richie McKay, and, and he wanted another uh, another one of those type of guys that have head coaching experience and a mindset from from A to Z. Um, and and Brad Soderberg absolutely fits that, and I, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty cool that, that Brad said, you know, that, that he would never have gotten, uh, he would never have taken an assistant coaching job again unless one man called, uh, and that man happened to call and it was Tony. So, uh, you know, as, you know, that the five pillars of this program, you know, I think Brad fits that program, that, um, network, that, that system, uh, perfectly. I think he's a perfect fit in that regard. You know, I, I agree with Daniel to, to some degree. I, I would love to see some kind of new wrinkles um, implemented maybe offensively, and I, I think that we can still do that with the staff that's here. These guys are not, uh, you know, married to one type of basketball offensively. So um, I'm very curious to see uh, how we, how you know, what we see from an offensive standpoint, what kind of changes we see next year. We have heard some, some rumblings that um, – you know that they may be a little more open to going small, uh, going back to more of a four guard lineup. That that they see how effective some of those type of offenses are against Virginia, and how we struggled to, to guard those type of spread out um, offensive approaches. And you know, just a little teaser, we we may be seeing a, a, some more of that going into next season. But uh, we'll have to wait and see. Time will tell. We got a lot uh, a lot to get to before. Uh, before all of that so yeah I, I think recruiting is is the one big area where we missed out on this because you know he's not going to have a lot of connections in this area uh, given that he was from a, um, I guess it was a division two school it was in NAIA before I mean he's not going to have uh, necessarily the connections you know with any big time recruits in the pipeline so um, you know there may be a lost opportunity there yep uh, we'll have to see that the, you know Jason and, and uh, Ron are always the, the the main recruiters on this staff anyway, so we'll have to hope that they've you know got everything embedded as as far you know as 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 necessary to kind of keep those wheels moving. Uh, Jerry, what do you think about uh, the Bryant Stith's uh, BJ? I'm sorry, BJ Stith transferring out and Devin Hall staying. You know that that was a couple things that we all wondered uh, what was going to happen there, and I don't know if you've heard anything, but. Uh, what were your thoughts on on those two uh, decisions? Um, I really wasn't surprised that BJ left. And, and by the way, I do agree with you on the fact that uh, uh, that Brad uh, should be able to maybe 
as he tweaks offensively with, um, and, and I don't think Tony's opposed to that. I, th- I think they may go a little smaller at times next year. But, um, and I also agree that Jason and, and Lonnie have some pretty strong recruiting roots, uh, laid down. So I, I, I don't think that they're going to be totally hurt by that. But, um, I, although, I kept hearing rumors about BJ all through the year. And, you know, even though I asked him about it back before the ACC play began, and the kid was very happy at Virginia. He loved UVA. He loved the team. He loved the coaching staff. I think at some point um, he just realized that perhaps he might be in just a little over his head and that he might not be more than a role, role player at best and maybe a bench player most of his career here. And, and when that happens, um, a lot of these young kids start looking around. And we all know how many people transfer every year. It's staggering numbers every year. And I guess the lure of, of playing with his brother and playing for his dad uh, closer to home was, was probably a very strong pull tugging at his heart. I, I don't think anybody blames the kid for leaving. And uh, everybody knew that if he ever left here, that's, that's where he would head. Um I wasn't I wasn't that surprised that uh, that Devin Hall stayed. I I think he's a kid with a lot of confidence and, and believes that he can still uh, play a have a good impact on this program. And um, I, I like the kid. I, I think he's solid. Um, he's just uh, I guess he was just maybe here with at, uh, when there was a log jam of players at his at the various positions that he could possibly play. And so uh, if they, I think if they do go to more smaller lineups uh, against a lot of people next year, his, his uh, role may increase. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I wasn't surprised he stayed. I, I never thought that he was going to leave. I, I never heard too much uh, along those lines that he was disgruntled. But BJ, um, I was not a bit surprised by. I was sorry to see him go because, uh, I still think that one of the best ambassadors of University of Virginia basketball and the University of Virginia in general was Brian Stiff, who I covered and got to know very well and still know very well. And uh, I, you can't find a better person on this planet than Brian Stiff. So anytime you can have a stiff in your program, it's uh, I think it's a bonus. That's really yeah, that's really great stuff, Hootie. Uh, Tony, what do you think? Or phony, I should say. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I'm with Jerry. I mean, I, I heard kind of the rumblings um, about BJ pretty early on, and um, it, it's a shame because he seems like such a happy kid. And, uh, you know, I cannot imagine the pressure that he felt, you know, coming in as a legacy. His uh, his dad, you know, one of the best to ever play at UVA, but also just one of the all-time favorites at UVA. I mean, you know, people loved uh, Stith. And so, you know, he came in, and I think he was automatically loved by the fans. But, you know, then you've, you've got to live up to that. And, um, you know, and, and these guys, you know, they, they want to start. They want to get a lot of playing time. So I think, you know, he, he seemed to leave, uh, you know, with, with a smile on his face. Like, you know, hey, he had a you know, a blast. He got to play here for a year, but, you know, now I think he wants a little bit more out of his basketball career. And, and you know, the opportunity – at ODU will be huge for him. I mean, that, that's a program that, that's on the rise. You know, uh, Jeff Jones and Brian Stith are doing a great job there, and um, there'll be some playing opportunities for those guys. So I'm excited, and I'll be uh, I'll be cheering on those guys a lot. As far as uh, Devin Hall, I was worried that he was going to transfer, and um, I, I'm so glad that he didn't because uh, I, along with I, I think all the other UVA fans, we were you know all wondering all year why isn't Devin getting more playing time? Why isn't you know Devin getting the minutes? And um, you know we may not have an answer to that yet. You know was it his defense? It still isn't where Tony wants it to be. Maybe, um, but but hopefully he continues to improve on that because I think he can bring a lot of excitement out there and and kind of some uh, different things uh, you know than our other guards. And uh, so hopefully next year will be his breakout year. Yeah, you know, I I, ha- I have to take any moment I can to to you know put a billboard up for for Devin Hall. Um, just I thought I feared the same phony. I feared he might consider leaving only because of that same confidence that Hootie referred to. He is a confident kid, and you know I, I think that he has to be a little frustrated with how the first couple of years of, of his experience in this program has been. But you know you hope that he sees 
also what, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, what, what could be there in front of them. Uh, and again, I, I, I watch Devin Hall almost obsessively when he's in the game, and I, I watch tape of him, and I, I, I am yet to really identify. Does, does he get beat a little bit off the dribble? Is his defensive positioning exactly where it needs needs to be? You know, no, it, it isn't. But it's not like he's disastrously bad on defense. And Tony will be the first person to tell you that you really master the pack line in in game action. That that you can practice it, you know, all you want. But until you really get a lot of minutes on the floor, you know, at full live action, um, you know, that's when you're really going to hone your skills. And Devin, to me, offensively, uh, never wastes a movement. And that's what I love about him. I've referred to it before on this program, but I, I just I want to emphasize it again. Uh, what he intrigues me, what really intrigues me about him is I think he's solid with his jump shot. I think he's solid off the dribble. I think he can finish around the basket. I think he's solid from the free throw line. I don't think he really has a weakness offensively. And he's aggressive in the right way. Um, and... You know, I'm just really excited to see him get uh, more of an opportunity. And I was going to be, and I know you guys that follow me on Twitter knew I was going to be devastated if, if, if he decided to move on. So I'm really glad that he stayed. And I'll touch on BJ real quick. I watched BJ a few times in high school, and, and I really liked his game. And I think that um, there, there's a dy- dynamic to him that, that you're going to see at ODU and you're going to see later in his career that – um, you know, maybe we didn't get to see it, Virginia. He, he's actually a really heady player. He, he's smart with the ball. He's got good vision. He's a good passer. Uh, he played point guard, you know, when I watched him in high school. And uh, I was really excited about his, his potential here at Virginia. But I think, you know, when you have a log jam at, 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 you know, at the wing position and, you know, maybe you're just, just a hair behind the guys in front of you when you look when you see the depth chart the next couple of years essentially looking the same, you know, the writing's on the wall, you know, kind of. And I, I wish nothing but the best for BJ. I think, you know, give him an, a year or two uh, down there at ODU. And I think his, like, junior and senior year, uh, he's really going to make some noise down there. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, really wishing him the best. Um, what else should we touch on, guys? Look, you know, obviously that freed up a scholarship. And, you know, there's a lot of rumblings out there right now about Kenny Williams and um, I, from all indication. And I, I did, you know, report on my Twitter account that I've, I've got some people that are somewhat close to Kenny that have told me that uh, Virginia is, is really putting the full court press on, on Kenny. Um, you know, he's a shooter. He's kind of similar in some ways to the guys that are committed in 2016. But at the same time, you know, we're lacking real perimeter scoring you know, as it is right now, uh, Jerry, I don't know, you know, I, I don't, I don't know how much you follow recruiting, but you know, do you have any opinions on what Virginia should do with that scholarship that they have in their pocket for 2015? Uh, I think if they can get Kenny Williams, uh, I think they should get him. Uh, I, I've, I've heard the same thing to you, Michael, that, uh, Virginia is, is really, uh, in hot pursuit of him. And, and, you know, if they can get a guy who can shoot along and, and put him in the mix with the guys that they have coming back, um, you know, that, that could be uh, an answer for next year. Uh, he, even though they won't have anybody like Justin, uh, it would give them another score uh, and another perimeter threat, assuming that, um, that Malcolm and, and London step up their couch and, uh shooting game, kind of like Justin did with just hard work over last summer. Uh, I, I think if they can get him, they ought to, they ought to get him. Uh, he's, he's a solid kid, and uh, it would make sense for him, I think, to come here since he's from Chesterfield anyway, and um, that would be good for his family. But um, you're right, they do have you know some terrific shooters coming in in 16-17. And, uh, you know, I you got those two scholarships sitting there. I think, you know, you have to get a shooter. And I think you have to get, if you're going to get take two, you got to get somebody that's inside who can make a difference. I think that uh, hurt them at times down the stretch this year. Uh, they didn't have that big go-to guy. And I don't know, it may be too late to even try to corral somebody like that for, for this year. Um, I don't know what all is out there and, and, and all the 
incredible uh, fifth-year senior transfers and some of that stuff. It's hard to keep up with. There's so many of them. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, th- those are the two positions that I think could make a huge difference uh, in the team next year, or at least a good difference. There's a shooter and a really quality big man that they can go to, which are incredibly hard to find, as you know. But, uh, you know, otherwise, uh, you know, if you, if you can just get Kenny Williams and you can't find somebody else that's going to make an immediate impact, uh, uh, you might want to hold off on that scholarship because um, you got, you got quite, a bi- quite a few guys coming in, coming back next year, and, and three new, at least three new guys, maybe four new guys coming in, and five seniors departing after next year. So, um you know, it might be wise to go along to that and see what's available down the road because they're in the mix for a lot of really good players in 16, 17, I know. Yeah, absolutely. And that class, I already love the – I've infatuated with the three kids that we have signed in that class already. I, I feel like, you know, I feel like they're already part of a team. I follow their uh, careers closely, and I just think they all bring really interesting pieces. Uh, I just, uh, I'm just really excited about that class. And if we're able to close with a couple of these other big names that we're after, uh, you know, boy, I, I think Virginia's long-term future is, is just going to go to another level. But, you know, next year, uh, you know, Phony, what do you, what do you think about that? Is there a way that you're leaning in regards to how that scholarship should be used? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously Kenny Williams, I mean, he's just, you, you don't pass up on a guy like that. Um, I, I don't see us pocketing two scholarships, especially. I mean, we're going to have, I guess, a total of five next year anyway, you know, um, uh, or, or I guess maybe possibly six. I mean, it's it's more than you probably want in a single year. So uh, I, I think you'll see us use one of them. Maybe, uh, you know, Donovan ends up in Oklahoma City and uh, <laughs> various coaches plunder his uh, roster. I don't know. I haven't looked at his roster to see if there's anyone that uh, – uh, might work out for us, but I, I think you'll see us pick somebody up, whether it's a, a transfer. I mean, I think if we're going to do it, though, we need someone that can help us this year. And, uh, yeah. um, you know, I, I don't know that just a, a traditional transfer is going to have to uh, ride the pine for a year. It's really going to work, especially with that class we got coming in next year. I mean, if we can add uh, Mamadi and um, um, – no, there's there's another name that, that just escaped me, but I mean, what what do you guys think would take to make that the best recruiting class Virginia has ever had? Because I mean, I think you've got a really good nucleus there right now, um, and and I don't know how it would compare historically. Jeff Jones had, uh, I guess, the class with Corey and Junior. Um, you know, that was a good one. Obviously, Ralph, <laughs> Ralph, and anybody. Um, you know, but you know what we got coming in next year. I mean, that that could be one of the best. Well, yeah, uh, Diakite, obviously, uh, but uh, VJ King is, is a guy that. Uh, That's the one. His visit, you know, he's a top player in the state, and a lot of people have him ranked top 10 in the country. He's a potential McDonald's All American. Apparently, his visit went really well the other day. Like, Virginia's a long shot. I, I would still call them a long shot in that recruitment, but from what I heard, VJ liked a lot about how he was uh, sold on how he would be used here. Uh, and I think if you're if you're asking what really is going to take that class to another level, and I think that's that's a burger boy or two, you know, really uh, Virginia's managed to get a lot of really talented uh, marginal top fifty ish guys uh, who are really strong character kids. Um, but Tony hasn't really reeled in any of those, you know, top level. And I'm not even saying one and done, but uh, you know, some of those top level guys that that the recruiting services just fawn over, which it's fine with me. I, I I could live without a lot of those guys, but I, I think, you know, it, getting somebody like that to compliment those other guys that I think are four-year players, uh, you know, would really make that class uh, something else. And I, I'll go ahead and throw out there, guys, just, you know, if you're listening at home, I, I don't think that – I still think that Kenny Williams is a long shot for us. I, I just uh, – despite the positive things that I've heard and despite the fact that you know, Tony's a, a good closer when he gets personally involved like he is in this recruitment. We are late to the party. Um, he had a lot of interest from other big schools that he turned down the first time that, that he's talking with now, Michigan probably being the leader in the clubhouse. So, um, you know, don't get your hopes up. Uh, you know, I'm trying not to. I, I think it'd be great if we landed him. I think it'd be a wide a wise usage of the scholarship, but... Uh, I, I still think we have uh, some work to do there. 
So, uh, you know, we'll have to see. Um, but uh, before we let uh, Hootie go tonight, during these off-season podcasts, uh, we wanted to kind of cover uh, at least one returning player and just kind of go over uh, what we think they need to improve on, uh, you know, what we expect out of the next season and, um, you know, maybe what we saw out of them somewhat last season. Uh, and I think we should just start from the top, guys, and start with Malcolm Brogdon. And Phony, I'll, I'll let you start, and, and then Jerry, you can you can chime in. Um, you know, <laughs> texting with you during games, brother. I know you have some opinions <laughs> about about Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, so let, let's hear. You know, he's he's going to be a potential All American. Uh, you know, definitely first team All ACC team leader in so many different ways. Uh, what are your expectations for Malcolm? Next season, what are you hoping he improves on? You know, he's he's so good, and and yeah, there's a very good chance he's first team All American next year, and and he'll I, I'm sure deserve it. But he he probably frustrates me more than any other player, and and it's kind of like that. Um, you know, with with a kid, like I'm, I'm I'm disappointed in you because I know you can do better. <laughs> and you know, with with him, sometimes you see him really pressing. Like he knows he's got to be that guy on this team, and and he's going to be the one now to to have to spark the run and and make that tough shot to to get the team back in the game, to get the crowd fired up for whatever it takes. And and sometimes he presses too much and doesn't always make the best decisions in in those uh, situations. You'll you'll see him drive, and there's four guys in the paint, and um. You know, or, or take just some ill-advised uh, jump shots. You know that that uh, you know twenty-footer that <laughs> frustrates me so much. So, um, and then he normally gets going. And once he gets going, though, he's he's solid. Like you can, you know, you want him shooting every time. So, you know, I would just like to see him be able to get into that rhythm a little bit sooner. Um, um, you know, maybe, uh, um, yeah, I don't know if, it, if it's just better decision-making or, or letting the game come to him a little bit more. I know Tony's touched upon how, you know, he's got that, uh, you know, he's got to find that line, that aggressiveness, you know, because that, that's what Tony wants out of him. But there's, you know, sometimes you can be too aggressive. And, and so I think as a senior, uh, he's going to do a better job finding that. And, and, you know, I don't mean any of this to be a criticism of Malcolm because, I mean, you know, frankly, he, he's going to be our best returning player next year and um, one of the best in the country so you know it, it's certainly nitpicking to talk about that but that that's the area um you know where, where i'm hoping you can tighten up Hoodie? yeah you know i would agree uh and, and i think if you talk to malcolm he would he would agree to that uh as well I, you know i talked to him uh during the acc tournament and during the ncaa tournament and uh one of the things that uh, that he believed that that he needed to work on was getting off to better starts. And uh, I think that's one thing that he and Tony will probably work hard on in the offseason is, is finding a way to make him more fluid and get him into the rhythm early. So uh, you won't have to score 20-some points in the second half against Carolina. But uh, I think a lot of that is uh, self-imposed pressure. I think he knows that he's the guy and I think he takes that responsibility and I think sometimes it's a, it's just a lot of pressure uh, for uh, you know for you to do something and, and to make something happen and sometimes it's not there and I think he needs to identify uh, when those times are and give up the ball to someone else and, and I, but I, I agree I think he's a terrific player he's a great leader uh, he's a great defensive player and uh, so solid you can Count on that guy night in and night out. He's the same guy just about every every time he takes yes. the court. So I think he's going to be a, a huge uh, attribute next year. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he did make first team All American because he's he's the kind of guy that has the work ethic and the drive. I think I think he'll uh, I think he'll work his butt off to try to get there, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if he can make that those adjustments to his game. But I, I think he can. I think he will because. I think he's just a really smart, solid guy who um, who knows who knows what it's all about, and I um, I think he'll get there. I think he's going to be uh, a tremendous boost to the team next year. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll take it a little a little easy on Malcolm because I, I agree with our our, our colleague uh, Brad Franklin, who, who kind of said on our show last time that 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 even a bad or or a good I won't say bad, but a good Malcolm Brogdon shot is is a great shot for Virginia, and I think that 
Um, you know, on a team last year, they kind of struggled to be de- decisive sometimes. You know, somebody just had to kind of put their head down sometimes. And I, I know he got trapped amongst the trees a little bit. Uh, but usually, if he draws a foul, he's automatic from the free throw line. I, I think uh, it, it, I think what's kind of interesting to me is Malcolm, early in the year, really struggled with his jump shot. Um, and, you know, even though he had Justin kind of on fire from outside, freeing up some space for him, he was struggling so bad from w- with his own jump shot that that teams were daring him to shoot almost and they were you know giving space giving him space and making it really difficult for him to drive but he was he wasn't hitting a shot so he was driving anyways and he was really getting caught in some trouble um and then later in the year when justin wasn't there um you know teams kind of he teams kind of really tried to take away the dribble drive from the whole roster essentially because we, we really didn't have any anybody that was lighting it up from three um, so again, Malcolm was just, was just trying and trying to make something happen. And, and sometimes it looked like he was being sloppy and, and, and just a little bit, um, uh, maybe a little bit too aggressive at times. But again, when you, when you looked at, at how the entire entirety of the offense was operating, you know, my feeling was almost like, man, I don't even care if Malcolm puts his head down and goes to the bat, you know, hopefully something will happen. He'll, he'll, he'll get fouled or he'll, he'll be able to kick it out or something. So you know, hopefully, basically what I'm getting at is hopefully next year he won't have that kind of pressure put on him. We can be a little bit more uh, diversified offensively. And, um, you know, Malcolm hopefully will be hitting his shot a little bit earlier in the year and a little earlier in games, like you guys mentioned. I think that's a big just component of his game. When he can, not just threes, when he can really get that mid-range jump shot going, I think that really creates some space for him and allows him to tack more off the dribble. And, you know, he was incredible in the second half of that UNC game. And if you watch it, it's, it's because the, anyone that was defending him, obviously when, when somebody catches fire like that, this is usually the case. But I think in a, in a, in a smaller sample size, it's, it, it still remains true that, um, defenders didn't know what to do. You know, the second they inched up on Malcolm, he, he lowered his head and went by him and he finished. The second they took a step back, because he was driving, he he created enough separation to squeeze a shot off. So I think the biggest thing for Malcolm is to be able to to maintain both. If you're falling off on one a little bit, it's going to affect his game altogether. So hopefully he can kind of get it together. I think he's uh, uh, an amazing uh, talent and, and uh, a bulldog defender. I would like I would like him to you know to play with a little bit more a little bit more. I guess energy, uh, a little bit more emotion, maybe at times, um, you know, just because I think there are just moments in games and in seasons where, where you have to kind of take it to another level. Um, and, you know, I'm not saying he, he's giving maximum effort every time he's out on the court, but as a leader, I, I think, I think the team in general kind of gets that, um, you know, not that, that just kind of, cooler than the other side of the pillow mentality when, when sometimes you really just have to buckle down and, and make a play. And uh, I think they follow his lead. And sometimes I wish, you know, not recklessly, but I wish he'd show a little bit more emotion out there. But uh, I'm not going to complain too much about Malcolm Brogdon either. I think he's a, 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 a tremendous ambassador to this university. And I think he would likely have been a draft pick had he elected to go this year. Um, you know, do you, what do you think about that, Funny? Do you think he... Yeah, I mean, what there? There's about 200 guys that are likely uh, second rounders this year. So, uh, yeah. you know, I I don't know where where he'd uh, fall in that. I I think I mean I love the fact he's sticking around to, so he can get his masters. <laughs> like, um, I mean, that's exactly what you want uh, from a UVA guy. So, uh, Jerry, I do need to ask you because we always ask a question from Twitter. Uh, Ross Bennett from Twitter wants to know: Do we have a shot to threepeat uh, next year? And obviously, talking about the regular season ACC crown, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think they do. Um, I think Tony's got it going really well, and, and as uh, we talked about earlier, um, I think one of the big strengths of, of uh, Virginia's program under Tony is player development. Uh, he really knows how to work with these guys and, and, and bring them along just a little bit each year, and they just keep getting better and better, the ones who decide to stick around and, not, and are not so impatient. Um I think I think so. I mean, you look around. Carolina's going to have a lot of people back, but um, and I guess uh, NC State will. 
Um, and of course, you know, some of the others will reload, but I, I would think that, uh, with so many guys back, with so much experience, I, you know, I, I just can't see these guys not being in the, in the horse race down the stretch. In fact, they may be, may uh, lead the horse race from wire to wire, um, if they can, uh, you know, keep that chemistry going. I, I would really like to see Mike Toby find a way to step up. Yes, I think uh, I think he could make a huge difference with this team if he could get a little tougher in in the middle and become a little bit more of a scorer. Uh, I don't ever expect him to be able to guard guys out on the perimeter, but I think if he could become a more effective scorer, uh, that could make a huge impact on this team. So it'll be interesting to see you know how they go about trying to step his game up in the off season. But yeah, I, th- I think this team has an excellent chance to repeat. Um, you know, I would, I would have to vote them the favorite to do so right now. Excellent. Um, well, we are uh, way past the time that we promised you, Jerry. <laughs> so that's quite um, right. I, I, I've got nowhere to go. <laughs> <laughs> let me but, ask um, you. Let me ask you, Jerry. Uh, I know you as obviously as Hootie, and and uh, uh, obviously a lot of other people in the Charlottesville area. Uh, you know, maybe some people don't know the story. Where, where does Hootie come from? <laughs> this could be a long story. <laughs> I'll try to make it as short as possible. Uh, it was at my first newspaper job in a really small town, and uh, we used to put out several uh, editions for uh, surrounding towns. Um, uh, we put out three newspapers on uh, on weekend nights, and uh, it happened to be on one Saturday night. Uh, our newspaper was the uh, tallest building in this small town, and uh, we used to, between press changes uh, where we would uh, proofread the paper as it came off the press to make sure there were no glaring errors. Uh, we would go up, uh, particularly in the summer, it was the building could get ra- rather hot. We'd go up on top of the roof where you could see out all over the town, and um, we might have a beer in between. So um, <laughs> uh, a little refreshment. And uh, so one night, uh, uh, it was in the summer, uh, very warm evening and uh, uh maybe we had had a few too, few too many <laughs> refreshments but uh well there was a, a uh it was sort of like uh the, the old mayberry police cars in, in the andy griffith show where they would do their patrols of the downtown at night and uh, since we were the highest building in town we could see them going down the alleyways doing their uh doing their thing and uh for some reason, and I don't know why to this day, but uh, I just felt the urge to yell out "Hootie Who" as loud as I could, and it uh, sort of rang off all the buildings and echoed throughout the little town. Uh, you saw the police car, uh, the brakes come to a screeching halt, and the spotlight come on, and he was uh, looking down the alleyways trying to figure out where the noise came from because it's sort of unusual in this town that late at night. And so uh, we got a kick out of it. We, we waited till we got to the other side of town. And I did the same thing, doing a hoo-hoo <laughs> really loud. And uh, <laughs> same thing happened. You know, the searchlight came on. So this became a Saturday night ritual for the entire summer. <laughs> and uh, we we all got a big kick out of it, all the sports guys. And uh, uh, it so happened that uh, that September I was sitting at my uh, – desk one day after we got our paper out. We were a PM paper during the weekdays. And uh, it was not unusual for a policeman to come in and give a police report to our police reporter. But this time he stopped at my desk and said, Mr. Ratcliffe? I said, yes. He says, I need you to stand up and come with me. And uh, I was trying to figure out what I'd done (laughs) (laughs) that I hadn't gotten called for. So he, he actually put me in handcuffs, put me outside into the police car, put me in the back seat, drove me two blocks to the jailhouse, marched me back to a holding cell, uh, took the cuffs off, sent me down, gave me no explanation of what was going on. Uh, I was really sweating, <laughs> to tell you the truth. <laughs> and uh, after about 20 minutes, uh, there, was, there was probably only like uh, a dozen policemen on the whole police force in that town. And uh, each one of them kept, one by one, kept uh, walking back and stopping in front of my little jail cell there and finally the old police chief uh, chief Cro- uh, comer 
a really, uh, really rotund guy, sort of the old southern sheriff, uh, was the last of the 12 guys to come back there, and they were all just staring at me, and I was trying to figure out what's going to happen next. And simultaneously, they all went, And uh, the old sheriff said, "You know, you son of a bitch." He said, "We've been trying to. We 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 were more concerned about trying to catch you, uh, whoever was making this noise for three months, than we were some of the other crimes that was driving us crazy." So to this day, somebody squealed on me. I don't know who did it, (laughs) but that name stuck. That name stuck, and uh, I'm hooty to this day. that is outstanding stuff. Uh, really, really cool. Really good stuff. Uh, if you follow me on Twitter at all, that you obviously know who Jerry is because I, I love your work, buddy. I, I retweet you all the time. I've been reading you, you know, since I was, I don't know, in my teenage years. Um, and just tremendous coverage of, of all Virginia sports. Obviously, basketball is near and dear to my heart, and, and you do a great job covering the beat. Uh, we thank you so much for joining us tonight. Sorry we kept you a little long, and uh, we look forward to having you again sometime in the very near future. Hey, I enjoy talking to you guys. I'd like to talk all night with you guys. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely do it but, again, uh, Jerry. It's really yeah. been an honor to have you on. Well, thank you for the kind words. I appreciate it, and I appreciate your readership over the years. And uh, uh, I enjoy talking to guys like you, and uh, anytime you want to have me, I'm, I'm at your service. Fantastic. That is outstanding to hear. We really appreciate that, buddy. Thanks a lot. All right. Take care, guys. Take care. That is the legendary Jerry Rack- Ratcliffe, a.k.a. Hootie. That's a, it's a tremendous story about how he got that nickname. I had, I had heard little bits and pieces, but I had not heard uh, that last part about uh, about the guys getting together uh, at the jail. That That is just hysterical stuff. And a really good context from Jerry. Really glad to have him on. Um, anything else you wanted to touch on before we hit the road, Phony? I know it's getting a little late here tonight. No, man, I think, uh, you know, we pretty much covered everything. I want to check these questions on Twitter real quick to see if there's anything we missed. Um, yeah, folks looking for recruiting updates. And, and like you said, uh, you know, we're, we're going to cover uh, each player throughout the season or one one player, two players a podcast, so we can kind of, you know, uh, spend some time on each one and, and get into the expectations. But uh, um, I'm in a much better state of mind than I was uh, the last time we talked. <laughs> and uh, I'm honestly excited. You know, we, we, we're, we're losing uh, some guys and, and some coaching changes, but um, change can be very exciting, and, and it's always an opportunity to improve. And uh, so I, I want to know, you know, where we're going to go and, and uh, see what happens. So uh, I think we're in a really good place right now. Agreed, my friend. Well, I uh, appreciate uh, everybody listening tonight uh, or whenever you're listening. We really appreciate you joining us, and uh, we will have another edition, hopefully within a couple weeks. Uh, we're working on a couple new guests, and, um, you know, we'd love to hear from you. Get your feedback online, and uh, make sure to hit us up on Twitter. And uh, wahoo wah, everyone. Thanks a lot for joining us.